Getting engaged is a moment worth cherishing. A one-of-a-kind ring that you design at Blue Nile can help your love sparkle. Just choose your diamond and setting. When you've found the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Finding the right engagement ring can be nerve-wracking. At Blue Nile, you'll have the expert guidance needed and a diamond guarantee that ensures you're getting the highest quality at the best price. Cherish all of life's moments and save up to 30% at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. It's time for the Fantasy Points Podcast, brought to you by FantasyPoints.com. Top-level fantasy football and NFL betting analysis from every perspective and angle, from numbers to the film room, with a single goal to help you score more fantasy points. Hello, everyone, and welcome into the Take Talk Podcast. My name is Stephen O'Rourke, and with me today, as usual, is my co-host, Brett Whitefield. Brett, we have football this week. Let's go, man. It's is it is it bittersweet for you or is it like really exciting because it's still just preseason? It's really exciting just because I like not having kids and not being in school anymore. I realize that I think I hate summer. <laughs> summer kind of sucks. This is a TikTok podcast, but summer kind of sucks. Oh, was not expecting that. I, I was I was like talking with friends yesterday, and I was just like, "Man, it is like summer does not have the allure that it used to have for me in like my early twenties, or like, or you know, even before that, high school, all that. Like, it just doesn't grab me anymore because like a lot of my life now revolves around football and I'm a very sports centric person and summer is just an absolute dead zone because I'm not the biggest baseball fan, but it's like, I just, I was realized yesterday I was talking with buddies and I'm like, I think I hate summer now. Like if I want to go, I can go get summer during the winter and like anywhere that it's warm. It's just, yeah, I like kind of came to that realization yesterday, but in like this, this, uh, like, this game, the Hall of Fame game, start of preseason, just tra- means we're transitioning into fall, transitioning into getting football, and then even up more sports back. And it just like, yeah, I'm ex- I'm really excited for it. Yeah, it's well, I'm excited too. It is bittersweet for me. Summer is my favorite time of year, but because I have a, a wife who's a teacher, so I get her for the whole summer, which is yep. nice. Yeah. Um, just the the mojo of the house just seems to flow better when she's yep. home. My kids, I have two. Well, will be three kids in school starting this year, so that sucks. Because between the job being super intensive, uh, and then then them go back to school, I just see them a lot less than I did right. summer. Summer we get a lot of family time in, um, but it is awesome because I love football. The other flip side is like summer we do have a little more downtime in this space. So yeah. Usually, I spend a lot of time getting things done. Like, I just built a deck at my house. Um, all had to assemble all this furniture, like, you know, doing stuff like that. Like, um, a lot of the house projects get handled in the summer because I've got more time in my hands. So, once we get into winter or fall, winter, really not much is getting done besides my job. And, and then whatever yeah. I have left goes to, you know, kids and wife and all that stuff. So, yeah. Uh, but, like, it's funny. I was on, uh, 
John Hansen's show uh, this morning, and we talked about he was talking about like biological clocks and how every like every humans on this this you know this rotating clock that's based on the sun and the moon. It was kind of cracking me up. But I'm like, <laughs> you know what? He's right. And for me, that the sun is football. So it's like my whole clock, like my like even my energy levels, everything's kind of dictated on when football's around. Right. Uh, like life is completely different from September to January for me than it is the rest of the year. It's yes. super strange, but very different. Um, so it is bittersweet, but I'm I am excited. Yeah. Good stuff. Yeah. I recognize mine is all again, it's all contingent on, like I said, no kids and yeah. just like that. So like you know, I don't have some of those other circumstances like you do. So like I can, I like obviously yes. can understand where like summer would be a great, like that time for you, but, but it is, you do like summer and that I think leads us into a new segment that we want to start, Yes, which <laughs> is, <laughs> which is things we like or things I like. Yeah. And this week, you know, we're going to kind of try to start the show off with this going forward. And, you know, I think it's a good way to kind of just like, you know, amp up the show, start about, talk about something positive, talk about something fun, maybe something we want a little to make less a, the personal connection with the yeah, audience. Yeah. That's what yeah, exactly. And so, uh, this week we're gonna, we're gonna kind of trade off and this week you're, you're going to go, we're going to talk about things Brett yeah. likes things Brett likes. So why don't we just do one of them as summer? Like Brett likes summer. Yeah. You know, we just talked about that. So don't need to go on that. And then two other things I'll mention things I like. Um, there's a band called Sleep Token. Um, they are in, I, I want to say they're metal, but they're not really. They have metal moments in their songs. Mm-hmm. It's like this weird blend of R&B, jazz, and metal. Like it's, a, it's, they're honestly yeah. fantastic. They're my favorite band, but. They came out with a new album like probably three months ago now called Take Me Back to Eden. Mm-hmm. And to this day, three months later, I listen to that album at least four or five times a day. Um, I think it's hands down the album of the year. They will be in Michigan in September. My wife is taking me for my birthday. Um, very nice. exciting. But things I like is Sleep, o- Sleep Token's new album, Take Me Back to Eden. It is freaking phenomenal. Um, another thing I like is the show Vikings. I know we, we've talked a lot of TV shows on here, Steve. Yeah. I just finished the whole series Vikings. It is, I would say seasons one through four are probably the best TV. I, my favorite TV I've ever watched after season four, it gets a little, uh, it gets a little bogged down and slower and maybe not as good, but yeah, as a, as a whole, the series is great. And seasons one through four were especially great. Travis Fimmel plays the main character, Ragnar Lothbrook. He is freaking phenomenal. One of the best actor performances i've ever seen in a tv show uh, right up there with like brian cranston's breaking bad character wow. and Walter white yeah i mean it, it's really really good stuff so um those are the things i like this week steve nice i still have to check out vikings and now i now i because of your description i have to go check out that album because r&b jazz and metal is not <laughs> that is not a combination i yeah. thought i would hear it, it, it's weird because they'll transition from like super heavy guitars and bass and drums, like full on metal breakdown to literal, literal baby making music, like two seconds. Later. <laughs> it is unbelievable stuff. The The creativity and the musicianship is just, uh, you know, top notch. So that's awesome. Oh, and what's really cool about them is the band has like this mystique where they all wear masks on stage 
and they have like this hidden identity. Now oh. it, they've been out now for like six years or so. So you can, if you really wanted to, you could go down a, a YouTube rabbit hole and find out who the singer is. Yeah. But he goes by the name vessel and he vessel? calls himself vessel and he calls himself like a deity. Right. He, he's, he's a, a, a demigod that worships the God of sleep token, like sleep. It's a really in the whole, the whole al- each album's a story building on uh, like they just finished a trilogy basically it's really oh, that's cool. cool um yeah i haven't gone down the the rabbit hole to figure out who he is because i like not knowing but my yeah. wife has and so it's been spoiled for her now she doesn't like them as much <laughs> <laughs> there's rumors though that this guy is like a famous singer in another band or oh really okay uh, yeah right. yeah that's like, I, I, the theory is that he's actually have you ever heard of hosier Yes. Say, yeah, yeah. Take me to church or whatever. The, yep. the the fan theory is that that's who the singer is, is Hozier. Interesting. So, but anyways, let's get back to some football, Steve. We have some news. We have some we have two news bits this week. It's a kind of a slow news week, especially with the MLB trade deadline. The NFL decided to let someone else have the spotlight for once. Um, so <laughs> for 24 hours. 24 hours, but we got two things of note. John Taylor, Jonathan Taylor, Colts running back, is holding out. Um, apparently, he uh, hasn't been paying attention to the running back market and thinks, I don't even know what he thinks. He's not even at the end of his contract yet. I, like You're right. He's trying to force an extension when it was probably unlikely he was going to get one anyways, right? Because it just seems to be the trend, like franchise right. tag, maybe an extension after that. Probably not. So I don't know what he's doing. I like John Taylor. I think he's a really good player, but it seems like he needs to take a, a note from the Melvin Gordon holdout and the Le'Veon Bell holdout and the Saquon Barkley holdout that lasted seven hours. <laughs> it's <laughs> it never lasted, worked out for the running back. One podcast. <laughs> yeah. It's just never worked out for the running back in the end. And I think, unfortunately for him, his best course of action is probably just to go out there and tear it up again this year and, and you know, stay in that top five consideration for for running backs and this one is it seems like each one gets messier than the last this one being the messiest of all the running back holdout situations i mean we got like some decent news with josh jacobs you know there's talks that they may have restarted some contract talks with him a little bit uh this one it seems like it's really uh, an immovable force and an unstoppable, or unstoppable force and an immovable object going against each other here because neither person is backing off. I mean, what Ursay had the quote where he basically said, like, if I die and you die, nobody cares. Football goes on. So, like, basically, like, who the hell do you think you are? Oh, Which man. is just the most Jim Ursay thing to say to, like, <laughs> zero craps, bro. To, like, zero. a player that, especially a player that I think that Indy has kind of rallied around a little bit, as, you know, in what has been a couple tumultuous seasons for them. Uh, Jonathan yeah. Taylor has kind of been a pillar. He had a tough year last year, but I think everybody was excited to kind of see the tandem of him and uh, Richardson and what that would look like, just because that's a lot of athleticism and a lot of speed in that backfield. But, it doesn't look – I mean, and then, like, it doesn't look good just with the put, – potentially putting him on the NFI and then, like, not having to pay him and then this year doesn't count towards his contract. And it's just an absolute mess. Yeah, he, John Taylor's agent needs to just send him the Le'Veon Bell case file. Just be like, bro, this is, this is what happens when you do what you're doing. And right. Le'Veon Bell, you know, what did he come back for, like, the final four games of that season to – just to get that accrued year 
And then the, he lost so much money on his next contract. Like, yeah. Um, and he and, and Bell ironically just admitted what a week ago that he should have never left Pittsburgh. Yeah. So, <laughs> I don't know. I this is really tough. You, you feel bad for these guys because it's like they take more hits than just about anybody. They're putting right. their body on the line. They're definitely more at risk for injuries. This is why it, that position's always hurt. It also is why it's devalued a little bit though because. Avail- availability is a skill and running back availability is just not great. We saw it last year with Taylor himself was pretty unavailable for a good portion of the season. Yeah. Ah, uh, you feel, you feel bad for these guys, but at the same time, I, I want him to make the best decisions possible to get the most money he can. Um, it is crazy when you like juxtapose the running back market to the like wide receiver. Market. We were just talking about this at our chat with Chris, um, like Tim Patrick, for example, this dude, like he's, even at his peak, he was a middling starter, starting receiver. Right. Uh, a big extension. Yeah, big one. Like, when you compare it to the running back market, like every running back in this market would have gladly signed that extension. Yeah, they would run to the table to sign he's that made, one. Yeah. Bro, he's made in five years, he's made like $28 million and he hasn't caught a pass in like two seasons or something like that. And. Jamal Williams, for example, is on like his third contract, and when this contract is over, he'll make he'll still have made less money than Tim Patrick. Yeah, <laughs> and and Jamal Williams, two hundred pounds a year. Jamal Williams has been one of the more like one of the more available running backs. Yeah, over the course of like a He's career. Terrible. Yeah, I think he's touched the ball like at least one hundred and eighty times in every season of his career too. Yeah. Like, and I would, I don't, I can't say off the top of my head, but I bet you Tim Patrick doesn't even have 180 career touches. It would, I we bet you it's close. Quickly, sure. Yeah. Yeah. And there's nothing against Tim Patrick, by the way. I just, I'm just trying to show you how depleted the running back market actually is when guys like Patrick are, you know, getting paid what they're getting paid and, and then running backs are fighting for scraps. Uh, 143 career receptions. There you go. There you go. And it's too bad. I mean, it is too bad. Tim Patrick tore his Achilles this week. Yeah. And this Horrible. is like, you know, again, it was a lot of talk going and leading up about, you know, how he can open up that wide receiver room a little bit, his usefulness. It was the same same kind of talk as it was going into last season. Yeah. And yeah, you just kind of feel for the guy because it's just, yeah, it's like different leg, different injury. It's it, like just freak stuff that it sucks to see because you know he's he is a, he is a good guy and he was starting to come come along there you know in 2020 2021 and i think he would have been a useful asset for that yeah. receiver room but it's and yeah it just sucks i'm just glad he got paid before the injury started piling up <laughs> yeah good yeah <laughs> good for yeah good for him because now yeah this is the yeah second full season and after this i it's it'll you know, after this season and going into next off season, I think it might be a little bit harder for him just because like you said, availability is the best ability. Yep. Uh, the other bit of news we got also on the injury front, Cooper cup left practice yesterday with what is deemed to be a pretty serious injury. doesn't sound like it's a season ender by any means, but it was a hamstring. And I believe McVeigh said, you know, he's out. Like it's not uh, it's not something he's coming back from quickly. Um, I'm hoping, Steve, that this is precaution. Like 
some of it's precautionary, like, hey, there's no like Cooper Cup's a seasoned vet. He's one of the best receivers in the NFL. We don't need him necessarily to be in training camp every day. So we're just gonna we're gonna shut him down. Yeah. Get that hamstring right. Don't don't even mess with it. And then hopefully come week one or maybe even if he missed a few games, he'll come back fully healthy and strong. Um but man, that's uh that'd be brutal if they lost him for a significant amount of time. Yeah, and hamstrings are nothing to mess with. That's one where once it starts, unless you let it fully heal, yeah. it 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 rears its ugly head pretty consistently. Whether even if it's just a tweak here or there, but it like shows up consistently if you don't let that really fully heal. Yeah, you feel like you have somebody reaching in your leg and grabbing you, like as you're right. trying to run. Right. Um, all right, that's gonna do it for news. We have football this week, as we mentioned, so we should spend some time previewing the first preseason game, the Hall of Fame game, the Cleveland Browns versus the New York Jets. Um, this is and so when I first started looking at this game, I was like, oh, God, what a what a horrible matchup. But then I kind of got excited as I broke it down. So yep. like, there's a lot of guys in this game that I've personally spent time scouting the last few years that are going to get a lot of run. Um shoot when you look at it like the quarterback situation you know we're probably gonna we're not gonna see Aaron Rodgers or Deshaun Watson I don't think that's gonna happen but Zach no. Wilson we're gonna get to see what his development's looking like yep. Tim Boyle you know he reunites with Nathaniel Hackett Tim Boyle played his best football in Green Bay like that's a legit connection yep. Chris Trevler is the preseason god like <laughs> he's there he's gonna get some run tomorrow for sure um the Cle- Cleveland Browns like they've got jo- they've got three guys that can all run: Josh yeah. Dobbs, Dorian Thompson, Robinson, Kellen Mond, uh, DTR, and Cedric Tillman played four years of high school football together at Bishop Gorman in Las Vegas. So like I'm really excited to see those two. It, like you've heard, it sounds like the mojo is there from the preseason so far or the training camp. I'm ho- hoping that translates to the field and we get to see some cool plays. Yeah, I'm I'm really excited to see uh, DTR. I think that. He was one of the he was one of those sleeper quarterbacks in the late rounds that a lot of people kind of started to come around to, and I think that he'll be fun to he, he'll be fun to watch and see. You know, is there any like you know any viability long term for him? I think it'll be interesting to watch that Tillman. You know, I think he's a guy that legitimately could break into and be a guy that contributes throughout the season. I think we'll get to see potentially the start of that with this game. Um, yeah. It's a, you know, plus you get the whole, the new, the new New York jets. And I mean, obviously, like you said, we don't get to see Aaron Rodgers, but you get to Likely see, don't. they haven't said that officially, but it's pretty, but you know, with four yeah. preseason games, you know, I mean like the Browns already announced that Kellen Mond is going to be the starter. Oh, for- have they said that? Yeah, I saw that uh, earlier today that he's going to come out as the starter. So, oh, wow. Um, so is, is Dobbs not playing then? That I don't know. It seems like he would be the de facto backup there. He's got the most experience by far. I think he even signed for backup money, if I'm not mistaken. But that's uh, that's interesting. Kelamond, another developmental guy, though. I mean, I definitely would be interested to see where his development is at and you know coming to coming from minnesota like the offense he's gonna run in cleveland similar to what minnesota does too so it's you know he's got some overlap there so maybe he has taken another step 
but what we've seen so far hasn't been good. So, yeah. So Browns are resting both Watson and Dobbs. Uh, Kellen Mond will start, and DTR is slated to see plenty of playing time. Is yeah, the yeah. that was reported by Yahoo Sports, ESPN. I don't know who was the original. Well, actually, Stefanski announced it. So. What's interesting about the Browns receiving core is like they they have what three third round picks. Um, yeah, that they need, they need one of those guys to break out. That's Tillman. That's Anthony Schwartz. That's um, David Bell from last year. They need like I don't think Schwartz is going to break out. I think there's a chance Bell might, but unfortunately Elijah Moore is now in the way, and his his best path to the field is probably in the slot. So then you got Cedric Tillman. I do think you, know, you talked about him establishing a role for this year and contributing. I think you're spot on there. Uh, and I even think he's mo- far more talented than Donovan Peoples-Jones. And maybe by the end of the year, he ends up stealing that starting spot from DPJ. Um, so I'm really excited to see what Tillman's got. He's, he's a, he was a really good player in college. Yeah, yeah. Um, um, on the other side, the I mean, the Jets are – it'll be – I don't know. They have a lot of established starters. It's not as up in the air, it feels like, with, um, you know, young guys that potentially are going to make their way in, at least from, like, a skill Ooh. position standpoint. They have yeah, they do yeah. have uh, Abinaconda. Yeah. Yeah, he, he's going to see a, a line share of the work, I think. I'm, I'm really excited about this, actually. Um, they So, Zonovan Knight has been working with the starters, a lot like him yeah. and Carter splitting duty. Yeah. Um, obviously Brees Hall is not going to play. Right. So you've got maybe Carter and Knight get a little bit of work, but they're, they're kind of the de facto starters right now with Brees Hall being, you know, recovering from the ACL. Yep. Is he then slides in as probably the, the preseason darling running back. Like, I feel like he's the guy that could just tear up the preseason because he's got that explosiveness and yeah. defense just gets so sloppy when you get down to the second and third and four string guys. Like, Izzy could freaking eat, and I'm I'm excited to watch him, and I th- I think he should get a ton of run in this game, and they don't have a lot of depth behind him. Like Demarie Crockett and Travis Dye are both coming off of season-ending injuries last year, so like they might be available for the game, but like what are they really going to give you? Um, this should be the Izzy Ebenaconda show. Like I'm fully yeah. anticipating 15 touches from him. If you play DFS, he's a DFS guy. I'm I'm targeting in my lineup tomorrow for sure. I'm sure that's not a unique take by any means. So don't. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not claiming to be a genius there. But, uh, right, right. But yeah, I mean, I'm, I I love it. So, a receiver, though, uh, Steve, they – so, like, I know you said that they got established guys, and that's true. They got Garrett Wilson and Alan Lazard, Corey Davis, Randall Cobb. Problem is none of those guys are going to play tomorrow. Right. Uh, Wilson's been, missed last few days of practice. Lazard and Corey Davis are both sick now. Looks like they're not going to play. Randall Cobb just got activated from the pup like two days ago, maybe three days ago. He's no not playing. There's no shot they're putting him in. Yeah, yeah, he's also a 10-year vet. Miko Hardman might play, but like when your entire receiver room's banged up, why would you risk getting him hurt in like right. uh, the the early preseason game? So that leaves you with that fight for probably the last roster spot or a surprise roster spot between Jason Brownlee. I don't know if you have you watched this Jason Brownlee kid? I have not. Dude. So, like, I watched him in the pre-draft process. There were so many good – or so many draftable receivers this year, though. I just didn't really get to him to write him up. Yeah, yeah. I watched him. I went back and watched him again uh, a couple days ago after he made that one-handed free catch on Sauce. Did you see that catch? I did. Holy crap. It was absurd. Well, 
So I went back and looked. I take notes on everybody I watch. So these are my notes on Jason Brownlee. And like, I'm like, man, why didn't I write this guy up? So, um, super athlete, explosive first step, decent top speed, fantastic leaping ability, really emphasizes his explosive profile. Like, he's a big time explosive dude. He's a big target with super long arms, big hands. He's a contested catch machine. He's got loose hips with the ability to sink and explode into breaks. Deep ball tracking ability is good. And he's got really, really good ball skills. And then his last note was that he's good at yak, too. They threw him some screens. He had a couple plays where he kind of reminded me of a small school Quinton Johnston, where he's this bigger body, but he's surprisingly good after the catch. Surprisingly nimble on his feet, making guys miss. Now, you know, how that translates to NFL football, not sure that it does, but against the small school guys, he was really good in that regard. He just he's a dude that literally can't separate though. Like that's his biggest issue. But for preseason football, man, it's all about those freaky contested catch plays because it is sloppy. The game is just sloppier. Right. Right. So you don't have to be as crisp as a route runner to make a play. I, I feel like this dude could have a crazy day tomorrow. So I don't know. There's there's been multiple videos of him beating Sauce, which is wild. Yeah, I mean, good. yeah, Sauce is very good. That's, I mean, that's, it's a great, you know, the whole iron sharpens iron type uh, thing, being able to go up against one of the top cornerbacks in the NFL, it's going to help your development in some way, shape or form. Yeah. And if you're winning, if you're winning reps against him, that's, you know, it's at least a good sign, at least shows that you can play, you can, you can show up in games and do something. And like you said, he's not going to be going up against anyone with sauce Gardner's pedigree or his ability. Yep, probably second, third stringers at best. And um, hey, he might be running out there with Zach Wilson, and you know, all it takes balls. is all it takes is just being able to show a little bit of ability to you know catch a couple balls that aren't you know necessarily deemed catchable or like are right in the realm of catchable, and that hey, that catches the eyes of a guy like Aaron Rodgers, of you yeah. know, a playmaker, a guy that can go up and get the ball, a guy that can make a play. You've seen some you know some players in past years with the Packers who have kind of hung on to roster spots because of their ability to do that yep and Brownlee had a he had a 34 percent target share his last year of college football which is normal <laughs> that's cra- that's hilarious yeah the other guy I'm really interested to see is another small school guy from SF Austin undrafted kid his name is Xavier Gibson yep uh I've heard that he has opened some eyes at camp. Like, whoa, who is this guy? Why wasn't he drafted? Um, he's only five nine. He's like a five. He's like he's the small school version of Garrett Wilson. Actually, like it's kind of funny. Um, but yeah, he's like five nine. But he ran like a four four five, and he had like a one four seven ten yard split, which is ridiculous. So that's that's um, insane. Yeah, and what he lacks in polished skill probably doesn't matter because it's preseason football. And he's he catches a shallow crosser with that kind of quickness and speed. You know, like he's he's gonna make some people pay for that. So yeah, um, I think I think he could be a fun play, a sneaky play DFS too. Um, and then they they're trying to vet Alec Erickson. This or Alex Erickson. This dude has been around the NFL for how long? Like, and he just makes plays. He's good on special teams. Like he's gonna get out there and play. Um, you know, I I could I could see him and Zach Wilson really getting along. So that's probably the trio you're going to see from the jets for most of the game. Malik Taylor's in there too. Yeah. I was going to say Malik Taylor, who 
is he, he was a, he was in the, at the with the Packers for a while with Aaron Rodgers, right? Yeah, he was in Green Bay. He was also no, I think that was mostly where he was. Maybe yeah. washed out of college, but um, he I mean he made their fifty three man roster two years in a row in Green Bay, right? Right. Is their final receiver now? One of those years he tore his ACL and didn't play, but like he he has rapport obviously with Nathaniel Hackett, and then obviously a little bit with Aaron Rodgers as well. So um, he's he's a guy who, in theory, could make that team as the sixth receiver, especially if he can play some special teams, which we know he can from his Green Bay days. So yeah. Uh, anything else of note? I'm not really. Just that I like on the defensive side. I'm ex- I'm excited to see Siaki Ika, Isaiah McGuire, and um, and then on the Jets will. McDonald. I think those are three guys oh, that, yeah. you know, we're all kind of second, third round guys. Ika, I mean, it'll, it'll be really interesting to watch Ika, especially because the Browns have had such a def- deficiency in the middle of that defensive line. It'll be interesting to see, yeah. you know, what he looks like early in the preseason, if he's going to be a viable guy throughout the season, because I think that with his size and his ability, he could be a very valuable piece to that defense. And I think that, you know, to, uh, tomorrow will be a good chance to kind of see if he's progressing the way that the, you know they, they're whole, they hope that he will. Yeah, the Browns kind of went like so they haven't had a true run stopping nose tackle or D tackle at all in a while. They yeah. went like completely overboard the Zazis and they brought in Dalvin yeah. Tomlinson, draft Siaki Ika, they brought in Maurice Hurst. Like they're basically decided we, we can't let this be a weakness anymore. That D line has the chance to be absolutely disgusting crazy and like deep too crazy it's it's like stefanski and that and like you said that front office they identify i mean they were getting gashed last year i think they were giving they were giving up almost like five yards of carry on the ground it yep. was ridiculous they were an absolute sieve it was hilarious how easy it was to run on them but now yeah they brought in zadarius smith they have obo okoronkwo who i think yeah, he's the- third edge rusher yeah and then I, like i like isaiah mcguire's fifth on that uh yeah like on that defensive end uh position and i think that he's a legit guy that could make a splash this year yeah i agree um yep so that team in general like that roster if you look at it is is loaded like if deshaun watson doesn't have an amazing comeback season then woo buddy he doesn't even need to have an amazing comeback season. He just needs to be not terrible. He just needs to be not yeah. absolutely horrific like he was at the end of the year. And this, I mean, they have a legit chance to be like a very tough playoff team yep. if they want to. It's there. Agreed. This episode is brought to you by Hyperice, the leader in advanced warm up and recovery technology. They have tons of innovative products, like Venom-heated wearables to help soothe sore back muscles, Normatec compression boots to speed up recovery and increase circulation, and Hypervolt massage guns to improve mobility. Loved by athletes like Naomi Osaka and Erling Holland. Try them yourself. Get 10% off your order with the code MOVE at hyperrice.com. All right, let's, uh, let's pivot. Let's pivot. So the actual topic of the show today, as we're getting into it, 30 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> Is uh, we Steve and I wanted to throw out some names of guys that we think are destined for big time jumps in their performance this year. Um, these aren't necessarily guys that have disappointed so far, although I would say one of them on my list has. But guys that we think are in a, a really good situation to take that that next step and 
kind of established himself as a, as a dog in the NFL. So I think we each prepared three guys. Yep. Uh, spend, spend some time talking about each one. Steve, why don't you throw out your first guy? The first guy that I went with was James Cook, running back from the Buffalo Bills. This I like is a guy, This is a guy that, you know, started to – he got – Filtered into the offense a little bit last year. It was an offense that, you know, as everybody kind of knows, didn't run the ball a ton and didn't run the ball super effectively all the time with Singletary back there. But when James Cook came in, he did have a 12, almost a 12 and a half percent explosive run rate. I mean, it was on like 89 attempts, but he averaged like over five yards of carry. He had a 12.4% explosive run rate. And now he's slated to kind of be, potentially the lead dog there they brought in uh damian harris from the patriots but as like damian harris was never really the like a pass game third down three down back he was more of a uh pounded down the middle type of guy on the in that patriots offense and i think that that's what the position or yeah the, the role that he'll kind of fill in with the buffalo bills whereas james cook has the potential to really be a three down back. He's shown some chops in the receiving game as a, like as a receiver, we've seen it in training camp a little bit. He's running a lot more routes. He's uh, getting involved in the passing game. He's getting got more involved in the running game towards the end of the year. I really think he has a chance to kind of really evolve this offense. Cause I think that that was one part of the Buffalo bills that you kind of saw it rear its ugly head a couple times last year where they get they got and get super deficient in the run game. And now obviously, you know, it's not at like we talk about how the run game is like devalued a little bit, but there is value to being able to bring an effective run game to like help finish games and things like that. And I think that James Cook has a great opportunity and is showed the ability to kind of elevate what their running back room and what that position looks like for the Buffalo Bills this year. Yes, for me, what I re- the reason I love this call so much, and Damian Harris is a good player too in his own right, and I oh, think absolutely. he'll be involved for sure. But the Bills do such a good job of setting up favorable rushing looks. Like they will spread you out. They'll use eleven, ten personnel. Um, I know they're going to use a little more twelve this year with with both Knox and Kincaid. But Cade, Kincaid is more of a slot receiver, anyways. So they spread you out. They give you. The def- they force the defense to play five and six defensive backs, and then they spread them thin. So you're not going to see a lot of boxes heavier than six guys. A lot of times yeah. you're going to see five-man boxes, and that's why Cook's explosive run rate was so good last year, and I, yeah. I do think it's going to translate with more volume. Um, and they just didn't have it. A- Singletary is okay. He's an NFL player, but he's not doesn't move the needle. Yeah. I think Cook – remember when, when the Chiefs drafted Clyde Edwards-Elaire, I – I hated the pick. I thought Hilaire was not a good prospect, but I understood why people were excited about that and what they thought they were going to get out of that. I feel yep. like James Cook has a chance to be what people thought CEH would be in Kansas City. Yeah. Um, just a guy who's going to he can catch a ton of balls. He's going to be good on outside zone, inside zone. Um, you know, I, the only concern from a fantasy standpoint, and I, I'm not even sure that we care a whole lot about this, Steve, but is that Damian Harris and Josh Allen will score all of the goal line touchdowns. But yeah, yeah, I want to. I guess I should. We should. We should have. Or I should have prefaced this with that. This isn't necessarily a fantasy outlook. This is just yeah. like as a player and just 
their role in the offense and in the NFL. Um, Cause yeah, like he, I think will be a viable fantasy option, but I don't like, he's not going to be a horse. I think, you know, yeah. he could be a good RB three, RB two, RB three for you in like some deeper leagues. But yeah, I think it's just like you said, the, the playing against a lot of light boxes, it translated to explosive plays. It also, it also translated to him, you know, not, getting stuffed a lot his stuff rate was like 39 percent last year which is really good that would have been like right there you know, if you put him on like a bigger workload that would have been right there near the top of the nfl for running backs so it's just it's a fa- it's a favorable offense for him and i think that he offers more juice and more capability than what singletary brought to that offense and i think that you'll see you, i think you'll see it all like their entire offense take another leap their wide receivers and everything that's something that they have to get you know, kind of ironed out a little bit more. We saw that show up a little bit last year, but this I think helps the offense overall by just bringing a viable yeah. running game and a viable, like a, a guy that can threaten to be an explosive player out of the backfield for them. Yep. I dig it. All right. I'm going to throw out wide receiver, Jerry Judy of the Denver Broncos. Oh yeah. I absolutely. I mean, I was huge on him coming out. Uh, I watched the tape of his first three years in the NFL, and the dude is, and like he's always open. Um, it's crazy that he hasn't performed at a super high level yet. I know, you know, if you look at like, you know, yards per route run, which is a really sticky stat, he ranked 13th in the NFL last year, and there were a lot of yards left on the field because Russell Wilson just outright missed him a lot of times when he was wide open yeah um, what sean payton brings to that team from an experience standpoint and a scheme standpoint is going to favor jerry judy a ton like he is i mean these, this is the type of receiver sean payton thrives with i think judy is going to get more opportunities deep but i also think he's gonna sean is going to force russ to throw him the ball in the middle of the field where judy is impossible to cover and you know, his route running is exceptional. I just really think he's destined for a break. I think he's finally going to establish himself as the true number one there. Um, I don't think Sutton has that juice anymore. Um, if you look at Judy's splits against man, he absolutely <laughs> destroys man coverage. It's so funny. Yeah. Uh, I just. Uh, what, were, yeah. what were his yards per route run against man coverage again? Oh, I, I was, it like, was it like was four point? It was like 4.9 yeah. or something uh, crazy was, like that. It, I think it's four four, something like that. Four point four, which is still nuts. Yeah, um, yeah. He was the best in the NFL as, as far as that goes. So, yeah, I this was one that I considered as well, and I think Jerry Judy has overall become a like a fantasy points. Like everybody in fantasy at fantasy points is kind of planting their flag on it. I, like that was, I mean, it was a big one that most of us really pulled from the uh, fantasy points data suite. Like that was he yep. was a big one where. You know, if you looked at just regular numbers, he looked like, you know, a middling number two receiver, decent player, you know, doesn't jump off the page a ton. But then when you dove into some of his, you know, some of some of those like deeper, more advanced statistics, you kind of saw you did see a guy that really has a chance to take a big leap and has a chance to be more effective. And, you know, the Denver offense for pretty much the entirety of the time that he's been there has been somewhat anemic 
And so like his overall production values, overall, you know, what he's done on the field isn't necessarily his fault. He's done his part of it. He's winning routes. He's getting open. I mean, he, like, if you, like, I've went, gone and watched a lot of their games and charted some of their separation stuff. And, you know, he's, like you said, pretty consistently open. He wins. The way again, he like, moves is freaky. I'm just going to say that. Yeah. It's, it's, it's hard to, like, his legs go crazy. His upper body stays still. And he's able to yeah. just, yeah, just he's absolutely wide. cut guys. Yeah, exactly. He, it looks so effortless, effortless with him moving down the field. And so, Yep. Yeah, I, I really like this one, and I think that everybody at Fantasy Points would agree with you. I know Joe Dolan and Chris Wax, both of them are, you know, have been on this, you know, this side of it. So I, I like touted it. him on John's show, his Sirius XM show, either last week or the week before. But big, big Judy guy. Throw out your your number two. Now, I'm, my number two is Chris Olave, which I Whoa. know. I know he had a big year last year as a rookie. He, you know, have, he was up there top 25 in the league in yards per route run. He had over 1,000 yards. He was top 10. Yeah. If, 20. if you filter for 300, minimum 300 uh, routes run, which is yeah. pretty much the, the minimal point for a good receiver. Yeah. He had a 24% target rate. Um, his, like, every, all of his numbers were very good. Target per route run was top 10 as well. I think he can take a step further because if you look at what new Orleans did with him last year, it was a ton of deep routes. I mean, his, his a dot was pretty cra- Like his a dot was pretty crazy. I'm trying to find it right now, but either way, it was a lot of, da- it was a lot of downfield targets. And I 14, think that, 28. yeah, which that's pretty crazy for a receiver it, to, to produce what he did with that a dot. That's pretty high for a guy like, a guy like that. And so I think that with Derek Carr coming in, I think he offers, you know, he can do both better than what they had him do last year. I think he can incorporate himself a little bit more into the short field, a little bit more, a little more uh, short receptions and getting yards after the catch. And I mean, like he was new Orleans main target last year i looked um i looked up like guys that were targeted on third and five or longer uh which you know for for me it was kind of like you know who are the guys that when you need a play who is someone you lean on he was top three he was at like 32 percent target rate on third and five or longer if you went even further and went to like third and ten he was at like a 38 percent target rate Basically, whenever New Orleans needed a play, they looked toward Olave. And I think that that's going to show up even more because the field won't be as condensed and focused on him this year. He's going to have more real, more talent and receiver with Rashid, Rashid Shahid coming on and then potentially bringing Michael Thomas back. We'll see if he actually shows up for more than three weeks. But I really think he has a chance to take a leap into being a legitimate like proving himself as a top 10 receiver this year. Yeah. There were 35 players in the NFL last year with at least a hundred targets. Among them, Chris Olave ranked number one in a dot and number two in a dot was a whole yard less than, than Olave. So he yeah. led everyone with a hundred targets more or more 
by a whole yard in ADOT, which is insane. That's insane. Yeah. Um, I do like your call. I do think he takes a step forward. My only, I have two concerns. I, they're not even concerns. They're just observations. One, one of the attractive things about Chris Olave coming out of school was that he was a, like, he was a developed prospect. He already had a really refined game. Yep. So you kind of knew he sh- he's the type, type of guy that should produce as a rookie. So yeah. I'm not sure that there's a huge developmental curve there for him to like lean into and get better. Maybe obviously year two understanding the speed of the game might help him. I'm not saying it won't, but I do, like there's some guys like a Christian Watson. He has a lot of room to make a huge developmental jump. I'm yeah. not sure Christian Lave has that same amount of room. He was a pretty, you know, he's a senior coming out, the really developed guy. Um, the other thing is people tend to underrate how good Andy Dalton was last year. And I, I do think Derek Carr paper an upgrade, but Andy Dalton was ridiculously good last year. It's comical how often he, I, you're right. It is comical how often when you pull like the advanced statistics for quarterbacks, how like accuracy statistics on target throws, all of that stuff. Like Andy Dalton's in the, like the top five. Of every stat, it's like it's hilarious. It is nuts, and like, so the thing is, is like if Olave takes that step forward, and I do agree with you, he will. But it's because he's a dog, not because a lot of people cite it. Oh, he's got Derek Carr now. That's a better, improved QB situation. I'm not sure. Like, I do think season over season, Derek Carr will be better than Dalton. But in a vacuum, I don't know that Derek Carr is going to often outperform what Andy Dalton did last year. Yeah. Um, which is fair. I think a bit. I also, like I said, I think a big part of it is just like the weapons that they have this year compared yeah. to last year too. I think that that just opens up the offense for Olave more. And I think that if his target percentage stays the same, he's going to see a lot more just open field around him. And I think that he can take advantage of that. Yep. Full agreement there. Uh, my next guy, Steve, and this is probably the first defensive guy we're going to talk about. Yeah. And you're going to call me a homer. It's defensive tackle Aleem McNeil of the Detroit Lions. Aleem the dream. Aleem the dream. <laughs> um, listen, this is a guy, regardless of him playing for the Lions, you, you, the, the data speaks for itself. Um, he kind of came into Detroit as a, as a one tech or zero even sometimes when they were two gap. His first year in the league, they were two gapping a lot. Yeah, which wasn't really his thing. He is a very athletic. He he was a very athletic 330 pounder. Yes. Now he's at camp this year at 305 pounds. He's lost 25 pounds playing primarily three tech last year in the middle of the season. They moved him from one tech to three tech in in the game that happened was the New York Giants game where he recorded a career high, like 12 pressures on like 20 Daniel Jones dropbacks. It was actually crazy how many times he was in Daniel Jones face that game. Yeah. And from that moment, he was in a full on sprint. If you look at pressures and pressure rate, he was in the top 10 of defensive tackles from that point forward. So just from switching from one tech to three tech, he was playing three tech at 327 pounds last year, which is a big, that's a big three tech, but he's, he's very athletic. Now he's down to three Oh five, all reports coming out of camp. uh, And I've seen it with my own eyes is that he looks amazing. Yeah. Uh, I, I think this dude is destined for a breakout. And what's scary about that is you see the defensive tackle market and how it's just boom. Like they're right there with the edge defenders now. It's like QB, tackle, edge, defensive tackle. Like those are the positions that are getting just absolutely paid. Yep. 
he's going to have a breakout year right in time for him to get absolutely <laughs> brinksed up. Yep. <laughs> so, Back the um, truck up. I, yeah. I, I think this dude is, uh, I think he's destined for a massive breakout and they, their moves they made this offseason kind of support him staying in that three tech role. They brought in Broderick Martin, who's a big, big dude. Benito big. Jones they brought back. Isaiah Bugs they brought back. Those are all more nose tackle type defensive tackles. I think McNeil is the three tech. There's a reason they didn't draft a three tech. Everyone thought, oh, we need or, the Lions need pass rush help on the interior. Well, he is the pass rush help on the interior with him moving the three technique. So uh, I'm yeah, I'm projecting a. I wouldn't be shocked if he made the Pro Bowl. See, that's how convicted in this take I am. Yeah, I. He's people forget how athletic he was coming out of NC State. He played outfield for yes, like he, yeah, like that's crazy for a guy that big. It's usually center fielders are your rangy, skinny, super fast guys. Yep, that's what they saw. That's what they saw in Ali McNeil. So like just with that, like he has the athleticism. Um, I think I think this is a good call. I think that him trimming down is like it's going to be really exciting. And he's got very active hands. He's very quick to be able to split uh, split center guard guard tackle uh, combos. And yeah, he's he's just he's quick. He's quick. It's not like Aaron Donald is the peak. Ali McNeil, you know, you can see that quickness. Not to obviously not to the degree I'm not comparing the two as like players, but like just that like that's what makes Aaron Donald so incredible at what he does is his hand his hand movement and his quickness, and I think that's what they're they're hoping that Ali McNeil can bring like you know fifty percent of that, and that still yeah. makes him a Pro Bowler. I think the happy medium there is Chris Jones. Like that should be McNeil's ideal guy. He models his game after. Chris Jones isn't like overly long, but he's got that. He's got a very quick first step for his size. Because Chris Jones, he plays at about three hundred five as well. Yeah, um, and he used to be bigger than that. Yeah, um, remember the combine when his uh, his um, meat and two veg came out of his shorts when he was running the forty. Do you remember that? Yeah, Where he tripped That's and right. fell and <laughs> pants came off. Everything, everything <laughs> was, was open uh, to the world. Yeah, he he ran that a little little heavier than he is now. And so I think McNeil should model his game after a guy like Chris Jones, who is that just, you know, consummate. No one's going to get to Donald's level and that level. No, no. can get uh, to that, to the Chris Jones level of spectrum there. And I think that's a really good, if you can get to that level, obviously then everyone's happy, but all right, give us your, your last guy here. Yeah. My last guy going defense as well. Uh, Dax Hill for the Cincinnati Bengals safety. Um, he was a guy that kind of got just boxed out last year. He played a little bit here and there, uh, but not like starter level snaps just because of, you know, Jesse Bates being there and the continuity and, de- and depth that they had just in their defensive backfield. Dax, Jesse Bates leaves. Dax Hill has a chance to really, really show what, why he was drafted so high and why Cincinnati is committing so hard to him as a player in that backfield. Cincinnati's defense overall has been one of my favorite defenses to watch over the last like two years. They've been so incredibly consistent with what I think a lot of people would would think is not like any super elite guy. Like they've got very viable guys in that on that defense, but overall nobody that really you know is 
quote unquote elite at their position. And I think Dax Hill has a chance to really be an elite player. He's extremely athletic. He's extremely fast. He's playing in a system that has proven to be, you know, very effective and good. He's a very rangy guy. He can come up and play in the box and really make plays in the run game. He's sticky as a, as a guy in pass coverage. I think that he's, I think he becomes a household name and I think that he take, he has a chance to take the Cincinnati defense to another level and just that secondary to another level. I think that having Nick Scott next to him is it, that'll be interesting to see what happens there. Nick Scott is a guy that, you know, wasn't, he's definitely not to the level of what they had before and he's still kind of developing as a player. But I think that, I think that Dax Hill takes that secondary to another level this year with his ability to not only play down and, you know, really get it, uh, get his head in there in the run game, but also just as a guy that can cover one-on-one with receivers. Yeah. So I I'm in favor of bringing back territorial monarchies. And if we did, Lou Anarumo should be given the King of Ohio title. He should, he should just be in charge of the whole state for what he's done with that defense. Yeah. It's been amazing. And giving him a weapon like Dax Hill is kind of scary. Because Dax Hill is probably one of the more versatile safeties I can remember in a draft. Ironically, yeah. he was in he was in a, a draft with a very similar guy that Minnesota ended up drafting from Georgia. Um, but like Dax is super versatile. Uh, the fact that he can go play slot corner for you know fifteen snaps, then play deep safety, then bot like that's just really cool. I think Anarumo is going to have fun with that. He also drafted Jordan Battle this year, yep. third rounder out of Alabama. Battle has some versatility to his game as well. Nick Scott, you already mentioned him from coming over from the Rams. Another pretty versatile safety. It seems like by letting Von Bell and Jesse Bates both go, they were they wanted to get more versatile and have less tells and be able to rotate coverages more. They already do a ton of that stuff as it is, so it's like it, it's really just improve like it's improving something they were already good at. And I I, I do think Dax Hill is, is primed for a, a massive year this year. Um, he's a freak athlete too, and you love you love to see that. I think like a luxurious Sneed type role in that defense could be a really cool. Way yeah, to use it. and it, it, it is. It's it, like what he brings to that defense is, and even like you said, having Jordan Battle in there is like they can confidently go and put six DBs on the field oh, yeah. and feel good about feel good against the run and the pass. Because of like the because of like you said the versatility that those guys offer like overall and how you know guys can swap in and out to different positions it's like you're not going to see as an offense a similar look pretty much at like down in down out I think that they're going to bring a lot of versatility and a lot of different looks and I think that really like Dax Hill is the reason for that is that you can you can put him at safety you can put him at slot corner you could even probably line him up in the box and have him be like a you know a box linebacker if you wanted to on certain in certain occasions so i think that he really is gonna help that secondary take a leap and that secondary was already really good so yes i agree Uh, it's crazy that when you look at their depth chart like they let two pretty good safeties go and you still feel like that secondary is insanely strong. So yeah, they added DJ Turner with the high draft pick Jordan battle. They, it's, they keep signing these San Francisco guys too. <laughs> I don't know if you've noticed that 
Michael Thomas, Yusef Corker, Marvell Tell, like all these guys came over from San Francisco. There's something obviously in that system that uh, Lou likes to, you know, get from those guys. So um, I think that could also point to Dax Hill playing that, um, you know, a role similar to, oh my gosh, his name's slipping me. Who's the the versatile dude San Francisco's had for Talano, years? Talano Fonga. He's the guy that's doing it now, but before him, oh my gosh. My my brain just broke yeah, like on air here. Um, he's he's been there for a long time. He was a high draft pick for them. I can't even believe I'm forgetting his name. He's gone now. He just left this this off season. Anyways, we don't have to dwell yeah. on that. Boom. Um, all right, my last guy, Jimmy my Ward. Computer. Jimmy Ward. That's who it was. Thank you. Why did my brain just do that? That's yeah. I kept for some reason I couldn't come off of uh, Tart, so I like yeah. kept that name kept going over and over, and then finally I just I I was like screw this, we're googling it. So yeah, Jimmy Ward. Yeah. Gotcha. Perfect. All right, my last guy is a guy I have notoriously hated on. Um, that's one Justin Fields, quarterback from the Chicago Bears. Whoa. Yeah. Um, I'm kind of I'm buying into I'm buying into the bears following the path that's been laid before them from these other quarterbacks. I'm not going to go into that. We've talked about that at insane length, but adding a guy like DJ Moore, um, getting some offensive line help. Like it's all by by the way, Darnell Wright is hilarious. Did you see the whole wide receiver conditioning test thing? Yeah. (laughs) Yes. How he, he he trained for that thinking that that was his training and then got there and they're like, that's not, what you needed to do. Yeah. Wrote down the wrong conditioning test per Which, parameters. But he, he, passed. Was, he passed the wide receiver test and smoked all the other offensive linemen. Which it was really funny watching the discourse around that is because you had some people who are either neutral on the Bears or are Bears fans. And they were like, that's amazing. Good for like, yeah. he's insanely in shape. And then people who hate the Bears and want to shit on the Bears whenever they get a chance, they went the route of he can't even pay attention to details. How is he going to get on the? How is he going to get on the field if he's not an attention? If he has no attention to detail, and so it's, it was just funny. Like I saw that a couple times where you'd see people who are like, "That's insane!" Like this guy, there's no way this guy should have been able to complete that training regimen and be able to do what he did. Yeah. And then on the other side, there were the people who were like, "This guy's an idiot. I can't believe he. How could you not pay attention to that?" Oh, that's gonna that's gonna show up this season. Things like that. That's this is the hilarious thing about it too, Steve. Is the truth is in the middle. I I'm almost willing to bet, like a large portion of money, that Darnell Wright purposely did this because Darnell Wright is a savage. We knew this coming out of college. He hates. He takes criticism from the media and he f- uses that to fuel his rage. And all of the talk about him not being unathletic and fat and can't control his weight. So what does the guy do? He preps for a wide receiver conditioning test. He loses 20 pounds and he smokes all the other offensive linemen. You can't tell me it wasn't on purpose. No. He wanted to give the middle finger to the media and say, oh, that's what you thought? Okay, cool. I got this. I got this. I'm the man. Like Darnell Wright is, he's, I mean, in a good way, he's like a psychopath. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, yeah. I he's, He's nuts. I love it. Yeah, he's exactly what you want in your O line room. I'm telling you. But anyway, back to, Justin Fields. Yeah. back to Justin Fields. Back to Justin Fields. Justin 
that guy protecting him, by the way. So this is a big, big win for me. Um, but the presence of DJ Moore is huge for me. Um, Tyler Scott, a guy they drafted, seems to be tearing it up in camp. Go for yeah. it. Like, like, shocker there. Like, this is one of my dudes. He was a top 50 player on my board. He goes in the fourth round. Like, that's an easy win. I just... They're giving fields guys that can separate. Now Mooney's down a peg. He doesn't have to be the one. Yep. Claypool can just only worry about his role, which is you're the gadgety guy. You're the contested catch guy. Just do those things. And that's all you have to worry about, which is great. That's that's what you want Claypool doing. Uh, Cole Komet also is going to see less attention. Um, they've got a stable of running backs now um, with Herbert and Roshan and, and Dante Foreman. And I just think they are primed for – fields to step to have a breakout i don't think it's going to be like a uh, jalen hurts level breakout where hurts went from yeah he looked pretty good to whoa he's a top five qb in the nfl yeah i think it's going to be fields looked mostly terrible his first two years throwing the ball by the way throwing running right. different he's been great running uh i think he'll step from wow this is we can't really pass the ball because he's so bad to yeah he's he's a legit quarterback now so yeah that's all i'm saying and you with his running ability if you get legit quarterback with his running ability you get you know lamar jackson level production so that's and that's insane that will carry he has the potential to be a better passer of the ball than lamar is like i mean he like justin fields showed it in college he had he has a cannon he can put the ball in a lot of different places we just haven't seen it because he also has had zero time to sit and look downfield at all and when he does when he does he's either getting smoked by a defender or he's missed them recently. He has he has flashed a couple uh, good throws on tape that like show the potential. But I think being it like the biggest thing for him is just being able to not bail as quickly this yeah. year and really Every- sta- stand in and you know throw the ball and develop the offense that way. Everything he struggles with is just between the years. That was true at Ohio State. That was his. That was my knock for him coming out. It's like he get, he gets locked onto a read. He come he either over locks onto that read, or he comes off it way too early and bails from clean pockets. Gets his tackles in trouble. He drifts a lot. Like every, it's just detail oriented stuff like that. The offense they started running towards the end of the year is really going to favor him, especially with the DJ Moore in the in the picture. Yeah, it's what they did with Hertz. It's what they did with Josh Allen. But you're just simplifying that first read a little bit for him. Um giving him better pre-snap information um and that's crucial and i i think being a third year because like like you said he uh on paper he was one of the most accurate quarterbacks to ever come out of the draft yeah you know uh so anyways i think i think fields is is prime for a big time breakout in chicago i like it if he breaks out they have a, they have potential to make some noise it's a weak nfc so yes yeah, it is. It is a weak NFC. Weak NFC North, for that matter. I think the Lions are strong, but I think the second place in that division is pretty up for grabs between the Vikings, the Packers, and the Bears. So why Absolutely. not? Why not compete? Um, let's wrap it there, guys. Data Suite, it's out. Uh, we're literally selling tons of units. Um, our our finance guru at Fantasy Points sent me the the projected numbers by the start of the season, and it's it's nice. There's a lot of you getting in there and buying the product. Uh, that doesn't mean it's enough, though. So uh, there's, what, 8 billion people almost on Earth? Or is it 7? I think it, I don't know if it eclipsed 8 or not. 
Yeah, so we're we're not quite to that level yet, and but we need to be. So if you haven't bought it yet or haven't checked it out, please go check it out. Data.fantasypoints.com. There's still a free trial available. So you go sign up now. You'll still get a week for free. I don't yep. know why we're doing that still, I guess. I guess we want to get to $8 billion, but um, <laughs> it, it is what it is. The first year is also only $50. So once you do your free trial and fall in love and, and start ruining relationships because you want to spend all of your time in the data suite, then you can just pay 50 bucks and you can keep that data suite for the for the next year. So data.fantasypoints.com. Go check it out. Please, please, please. You will not regret it. Um, it's probably the best thing to ever happen to the fantasy football industry. No hyperbole. And football right. industry. And football industry. We will be back next week. The season is almost here, fellas. Or I shouldn't say fellas. I should say ladies and gentlemen. Because we do have lady listeners. I know this for a fact. Can't believe I said fellas just now, Steve. That's all right. That's all right. Um, yeah, we're almost there. It's getting exciting. And uh, every week we'll be bringing some some sweet content for you. With that said, I am Brett Whitefield. This is my co-host, Steve Work, and we are Thanks for tuning in to this edition of the Fantasy Points Podcast. Remember to subscribe, rate, and review on your favorite platform. And come join the roster at FantasyPoints.com.